I'm Coach Tony Miller, and you're listening to a Quick Timeout Podcast. We have conversations with basketball coaches from around the country focused on specific topics designed simply to help grow the game. Welcome into a Quick Timeout Podcast presented by Dr. Dish Basketball. If you're like me, you've gone looking for some new shooting drills here at the beginning of the season. I've created a whole library of drills at drdishbasketball.com, things that you can use with your team as well as in a small group setting. Included in those shooting drills are diagrams, explanations, and also videos of the drill. To find out more, simply visit drdishbasketball.com and click on blog from the drop-down menu. Again, that's drdishbasketball.com. I want to welcome to the show Kim Carducci, founder of Everything Athletes and author of the new book, The Eye of the Tiger, The Athlete Identity and Remedying Sports Greatest Conflicts. Kim, thanks for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me, Tony. It's good to be here. Yeah, why don't you go ahead and kind of share a little bit about your background? I think that's going to kind of put in context the rest of what we are going to discuss today. So feel free to start kind of wherever you want to. Sure. So I was always a sports fanatic, always an athlete played from literally when I was in the womb. Apparently my mom said I was doing gymnastics in her belly. So I've always been an active being. Uh, I played a little bit of basketball when I was a kid, gymnastics, soccer, handball, softball, swimming. If it if there was a sign up or a registration to go play something, I did it. Uh, and then as I got older, I really focused on softball and swimming. Those were my favorite. I had the most fun playing those. And as I progressed in swimming through middle school and high school, I was getting a lot better, a lot faster. I was one of the top swimmers in the state of Georgia and then, you know, really becoming nationally ranked when I was a freshman in high school. So I trained super crazy. I think I was doing eight practices a week when I was in eighth grade. And by the time I reached senior year of high school, I committed to the University of North Carolina so went on to go swim division one, but after my freshman year, I really felt burnt out from swimming. I had obviously done it for 15 years of my life at that point, since I was four or five. And by the time I got to college as well, it's so competitive in college. I wasn't as good or I wasn't as fast as I was in college like I was when I was a little bit younger. So I didn't make the ACC team. I wasn't going to NCAAs. You could probably say I was not going to go to the Olympics. I think that was fair to say. So at that point, just feeling burnt out, not feeling like all of that training was worth it to drop maybe half a second. It just wasn't worth it to me. So I ultimately decided to retire after my freshman year at UNC. And then the next three years, which should have been the best, most fun college years of my life, were actually the worst years of my life. It was really a struggle to figure out who I was outside of the pool and who I was if I wasn't the athlete, right? I had always been this swimmer girl with the chlorine bun in her hair. So yeah. it was really hard to even make friends. I, I just didn't know what to do with my life or what to do with myself. So I really struggled and became really depressed. I was diagnosed with major depressive disorder uh, but eventually found my way out of that, um, adopted a lot of different mindful, mindfulness techniques, went to therapy, and specifically over the past year, a little over a year, I really dug into this topic of mental health in sports, and then even specifically the moments of defeat, injury, and retirement, 
because those are moments that I struggle with. And I feel like every athlete experiences those to some degree. So that's my book, The Eye of the Tiger. It's basically a total analysis of mental health in sports today. And then I offer coping skills for those three moments in sports. Mm -hmm. I appreciate the fact that at least it seems that mental health is getting more attention in sports or at least hearing it talked about more. And Mm -hmm. it's usually mentioned in relation to specific athletes. What's the scale? And, And typically those athletes are like at the highest level. I think of Simone Biles and Michael Phelps and what's the real scale of mental health issues among the athletes that we're coaching? Yeah. So the statistics point to between five to 35% of athletes experience some sort of mental health crisis. And I would even go as far to say that that's severely underreported. I don't think we have, I mean, we don't have the research and data behind mental health in sports like we need. So 35% is the hard number we have now, but I would say it's I don't know, maybe double that, to be honest. I would think, too, that it's something that's difficult because a lot of people just don't talk about it. And the stigma still exists so Mm -hmm. that they're not necessarily willing to talk about it. But I know there are a lot of people out there that want to help with it. But you have to ask the right questions. So even for coaches as they work with their athletes, do you have any suggestions or things that will help us be able to address these things or at least identify these things so that people can get more help? Yeah, absolutely. I think we definitely have an opportunity for coaches to step up and take a a proactive, responsible approach because, I mean, coaches are the first interface that an athlete has. And if the team is fortunate enough or lucky enough to have a sports psychologist or other trainers on staff, that is amazing. That's great. That should be the goal of every team. You can tell if a coach is on board with mental health, depending on how they're allocating resources. So if they bring on a mental health professional, that that would solve so many of these issues. But yeah, coaches can do so many things. I mean, the biggest barrier, like you said, is the stigma. I think there's a super disconnect between coaches and athletes, particularly at the high school level too, and at the younger levels. So many athletes have some sort of drama or emotions going on, but coaches, whether intentionally or not choose to ignore those because like sports have always been, it's focus on winning, focus on training, focus on improving and nothing else. So I think if coaches step up to creating more of a destigmatized environment where there is not that fear in an athlete to come forward and express a struggle, I think that's the biggest barrier. Mm-hmm. COVID has maybe pushed this next question that I want to ask you to the forefront. I don't know that we always think about like injuries and mental health together. That's probably the more practical for a lot of us just normal coaches because, you know, we have somebody that's injured on our team all the time. I think even here with our team over the last 10 years that I've been coaching, how many ACL tears we've had, how many Achilles tears we have. And and those are, those are like some life altering injuries. I have one, I had one kid, he's literally torn his, both of his ACLs. So he tore his ACL, came back, started again and then tore his other ACL. And I'm thinking about the mental implications there. I don't know that coaches have this mentality of like, well, you're not on my team. So it's, I'm not really thinking a whole lot about you. I I want you to get better, but you know, I can't really do much for you right now. Keep working on your rehab and then come back. What is it that we can be doing that can help with their mental health and how can we help them through that process so that, you know, they come back and maybe they don't, feel separated from the team or like whatever, what, what can we do in our 
context within our power to help in situations like that. Yeah. And taking that passive approach, I think is incredibly harmful. You know, if you have the time or opportunity to just even set aside a weekly check-in, it can be a 10 minute phone call with that athlete just to say, Hey, how's PT going? What has your rehab going? What's your progress this week? Just to check in with them because there's so much emotional vulnerability in a period of being injured, right? There's the uncertainty of how is my body going to heal? How are my teammates perceiving me? How is my coach perceiving me? Am I going to be able to play ever again? Am I going to be able to play to the level I used to play ever again? Is it going to take three weeks? Is it going to take a year? You know, all of these questions create a lot of uncertainty and if there's one thing humans do not love, it's uncertainty, right? Like we would rather know the hurricane is going to destroy our home with a hundred percent guarantee than to sit there glued to the radar wondering if our house will be there the next day. We need that certainty. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's a big component of kind of that emotional angst in being injured. So if a coach can, like I said, just set aside a daily weekly check-in with that athlete to help them feel like they are making progress towards something They're not being just cast aside like a broken toy on the shelf. They're still included and part of the team. And I mean, that athlete too can take their own responsibility to continue to engage with the teammates, continue to engage in social settings. Don't isolate, express gratitude for the health you do have, because, you know, if you want to look at the silver linings, your injury as bad as it is, could have been a lot worse. Mm -hmm. Um, And then the final thing I'll say on that for the athlete is, accept and acknowledge the situation. It's amazing how many athletes get stuck in denial that they're injured. They avoid PT. They don't want to accept the fact that this is their predicament and that just delays healing. It creates unnecessary stress. So Mm -hmm. kind of my tough Italian Irish love is you just have to say the words out loud. Hey, I'm injured. Hey, this sucks. I am so frustrated right now. It sounds simple and cheesy, but if you can't do those things, you can't say those out loud. You have work to do. Mm-hmm. We also had some success involving players and non, non-sports things. I mean, we had a kid that I was talking about with the ACL stuff. Like, he ran our Instagram account. And so he was a part awesome. of things while, while the game was going on. For, for our level, maybe a little bit different from high school. But if you have a kid that you know is wanting to coach eventually, like, we gave him some – they weren't heavy assignments and duties and responsibilities, but they involved him in the kind of the coaching aspect of things as well. And I think that's where you can kind of just not necessarily take their mind off of the sports, but put them in different contexts that helps them see that like they can continue to grow through this. Mm-hmm. And I think maybe something that you've talked about too is like the the injury doesn't necessarily define who you are or define where you're at in your life. I'm thinking too about even beyond the injuries here, but I think that's probably the thing that is most prevalent. But have you seen any, this may be putting you on the spot, have you seen any differences, male, female, um, in things that either they struggle with during injuries or just mental health as a whole? And again, I think a lot of this has to do with unless a coach has been through something mental health related, this isn't necessarily on their radar. It's not something that they think about, but just being aware of these things can help them be more prepared for when that situation does occur. Yeah, absolutely. So females are twice as likely to express their struggle or express a concern than males. But that doesn't mean necessarily that males aren't struggling. I think there's, even for non-athletes, just in society at large, there's more of a stigma on males to 
don't express emotional struggle. Don't be weak. Like you're a man, suck it up, rub some dirt in it. Right. So that's even exacerbated in sports and particularly basketball and all the work that you're doing. I mean, it's predominantly a male audience. So yeah, I would encourage coaches to create that destigmatized environment, remove that fear so that if a male athlete is struggling, they don't have to feel oppressed by that stigma and be scared to come forward and silently suffer, which could then lead to a very negative outcome. So yeah, growing that awareness, that's the statistics. Females are twice as likely to come forward, but that doesn't mean that females are experiencing the majority of mental health problems. The best basketball coaches are relying on data more than ever. That's why coaches love Huddle Assist. With Assist, you get full game breakdowns, including complete team and player stats, in less than 24 hours. Your stats are ready when you need them. And Assist is more than just the box score. Use interactive reports like shot charts and advanced stats like lineup data, VPS, and of course, effective field goal percentage to coach smarter. Plus, Assist brings your stats to life. Every stat is marked on the video at the moment it happened. See every shot, turnover, rebound, and much more with just a few clicks. Want to see how Huddle Assist is elevating basketball? Visit huddle.com slash assist. That's huddle.com slash assist to learn more. For a lot, even at the high school level, you mentioned at the beginning, part of your study and research has been in the retirement side. And I know that we're thinking a lot of like the 25 or 30 year old who's retiring, but it could be a high school player that something finishes their career or ends their career prior than when do they th- start, uh, thought they would stop or a college kid who for you start finishing after your freshman year. I'm sure again, you had aspirations of going on and being professional swimming at the Olympics and that sort of thing. Yep. So retirement in the form of like your career is over, not necessarily you're old and your career is over. That can be a hard thing. I'm sure for even the teenager or for the, some young adult in their young twenties, what are some of the things that you found with that? And then also what are some of the, the ways again, that, that we can help those athletes? That is such a good question. So for me in particular, I think just growing my understanding and awareness that a lot of my personality traits and characteristics, being an athlete helped me be a successful competitive athlete, but when taken out of context and being just a normal adult are actually rather harmful mm-hmm. and created a lot of burnout in my adult life, mm-hmm. right? I, I was not a compassionate person when I was competing. I was super critical. I was super competitive. I mean, I wasn't good at making friends, right? I was so focused and dedicated on winning which helped me be really good. Mm. But having those personality traits as just a normal adult Mm. is not good. It's not healthy. So Mm. just learning how to honestly just have self-compassion with being average. You know, I'm just an average human being learning how to embrace that part of me. Yeah, at first I didn't want to embrace a part of me that was not equipped with high profile accomplishments and physical capabilities, but growing that self-compassion that, yeah, I'm a human being first. I don't always have to ride this hard and be, be this critical for everything because I was burning out with that mindset. And just, I mean, honestly, too, just like growing self-love for the total human being outside of the pool. That was like the biggest shift for me. Let me go away from the retirement and just talk bigger picture here. Even for the players, if I have players that listen to this or coaches who are helping the players through this, what are some of the things that helped you? 
with the mental health issues that you had? And then also, again, from the coach's perspective, what does this mean for them and how can they be a best help? I know you've addressed some of these already, but, you know, if you can walk, if a coach can walk away with these several things or a player walk away with these several things, just understanding from your example or from some of the, the research that you did, how can they address these and how can they, they deal with these in a right way? Sure. So therapy was the biggest help for me. And even if it's a therapist or a counselor, I think it's really important to have someone as a third party, just talk out what's going on in your life. Because even if you think you don't need that, it's amazing the blind spots you have in your life <laughs> that you actually notice when someone else points out your behaviors and what you're doing. So therapy was a huge help. Uh, I I was dating my ex-boyfriend now, but I kind of, he led by example. So I learned a lot from him about how he lived his life. He was someone who was very unaffected by other people's opinions and has basically no mental health problems. And I was like, wow, someone can actually live like that. Like things just roll off his back, no problem. So I guess find a role model or find someone who's leading by example, who is living in a way that you want to live or that you idealize so you can learn what they're doing and what their behaviors are. Um, also, athletes, just expose yourself to all of the knowledge that's being put out there. Make sure it's a credible source and it's well-researched, but there are podcasts, books. I mean, like this show right here, interviews, there's so much out there that is relatable stories and it's relatable content. Just expose yourself to what's out there and test what works for you, what doesn't work for you. Um, another thing I would say that really helped me was really eliminating alcohol and caffeine from my diet. So alcohol, I mean, I partied in college. I, I'm an Irish Italian, so I'm going to blame that. Always been a drinker, a party girl. Eliminating alcohol, that's also another huge shift. I, I actually went 10 weeks last summer without a single drop of alcohol. My productivity shot through the roof. My skin was better. I was in a better mood. I was getting good sleep. So I don't know if the party alcohol is relevant to your audience, but that was a huge shift for me as well. Mm -hmm. For coaches, I think it's super important to include mental health as part of the training regimen, like including self-care, making that a priority, set up individual meetings with athletes at the beginning of the season, in the middle of the season, at the end of the season. Again, if you have a designated team professional that's versed in the world of mental health, that's optimal. Um, lead by example, share stories from your own life, share your own perspectives. I think leading by example is super great. Uh, also, if there's a, a place in the locker room or a community room where you can offer, you know, just a one sheeter, a PDF of a protocol, if someone is experiencing a mental health struggle, that's super helpful because sometimes athletes may not know where to go. And if you can offer an option for them to reach out confidentially so that they don't have that fear and you can help them reach out if they have concerns about the stigma or being perceived differently. So just a couple of things. Yeah. Off the my head. yeah, those are good. I'm convinced that this is more prevalent, like you said at the beginning, than we acted is, especially in athletics because of the amount of stress that people are under and mental health is a more all-encompassing term than even probably it has been portrayed in the past like you only have mental health issues if you're depressed or have anxiety or if you have whatever but 
I mean, you just go with just the anxiety part of it. I think that probably encompasses probably 95% or more of us coaches. <laughs> and and <laughs> what has, what that did for me was some of the things that I went through and struggled years later, I had a player come to me and was struggling with very similar things. And it allowed me to tell him, you're not alone in this, which is to your point, just helping people understand that they're not the only ones going through this. And these are the things that help me. And these are some of the steps that you can take and I'll take them with you. And it actually improved the player coach Amazing. relationship and our friendship. He's somebody who gra has graduated years in the past and we're we're friends from it and friends because we went through something like that. And that all started just because I was willing to say to him, I struggled with this as well. I understand to a degree what you're going to. You're not alone and you're not weird or unique in going through this. And maybe there is somebody like you said with your ex-boyfriend who he he just doesn't <laughs> seem to have any mental health issues. But <clears throat> I think the more more of us that say we're in this together and we're willing to help each other with this, the the more it, it will be something that can be addressed and helped with a lot of the young people that we're working with here. Uh, again, the book is The Eye of the Tiger. I wanted to make sure that you had the opportunity to direct people to where they can buy that. And then also maybe tell them a little bit how that's connected to what you're doing there with Everything Athletes. Sure. So the book is on Amazon and, and it's the I as in identity, not eyeball, just to clarify, not like the song. Um, and you can also find the book on my website, everythingathletes.com. So I just dedicate my life to producing content about athlete mental health. So if you go to my website, we have a podcast blog. I do book reviews. I'm a big reader and I love reading athlete memoirs. Uh, I have an online course for athletes who are going through retirement mm. And if you just want to dive into some content I'm creating, it's all there on everythingathletes.com. That's Kim Carducci. Kim, thanks for coming on the show to talk with us. Thank you so much. It's been good to be here. That'll do it for this episode. Thanks so much for listening. We'll talk to you again at the next time out.